2: And the Jazz pick up their 20-second assist.
0: So they count on University of Utah Health.
2: Real Soleil puts this game away.
0: And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation. Care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Radio check.
2: Loud and
1: clear. KSL Sports and KSL Podcasts present Mode Push, an American view of F1, starting now.
0: i stop. This is what you cut with this. Honestly. I've guessed i absolutely guessed
1: it. I enjoyed this so f- much. Thank you. Thank you. Everybody. Welcome on in. It's another edition of Mode Push, an American view of F1. Alex Curie, Dan Jimenez in the house as usual. We love bringing you this uh, to KSL Sports Production, KSL Podcast Production. And man, we've got a lot to jump into here. First to my co-host, Dan Jimenez. How are you, man?
2: I'm doing great. How are you?
1: Oh, just looking forward to another race weekend. Uh, and I love the back-to-backs. I love when like a week over week we have... Uh, more races instead of sitting around for another week and twiddling our thumbs and hoping for another race and talking about some of the what other people are calling a very boring year now. It's officially become a boring season to some of the uh, <laughs> critics out there, and I get it. Um, I'm not a Max guy. I'm not a Red Bull guy necessarily. I do enjoy closer races than uh, <laughs> you know than than not. So when the when the rain started coming down for that sprint race last weekend in Austria, I went yes. And, when, and there was that moment, and periodically people will take screenshots, you know, and when you had uh, Hulkenberg in second place for a good chunk of the, that part of the race, I was just going, please, I just, I was like willing for uh, Gunther Steiner to be second place and on the podium, you know, with those guys. And, uh, <laughs> and, and of course, you know, it kind of evened out, but he still ended up in the points. So uh, the rain will bring different mixed results. We didn't get it for the actual race itself, uh, although I don't think we did. Yeah. Uh, so... Nothing yeah. nothing of note, but uh, Max Verstappen winning, I think, uh, his seventh of the season, ninth overall uh, for Red Bull out of the nine races uh, or whatever it is going back into next, last year. They haven't lost a race uh, for a good chunk of time. And I don't know how good it is for the sport, but uh, at least we saw some fun midfield stuff going on last week in Austria.
2: Yeah, the Red Bull dom- domination continues, but we had a sprint race that was like fantastic, which is might be the first one, Um, I can't think of another sprint race that was as exciting as this one. And the, the, the thing that was different about it was like, you just said the variability with the rain just kind of threw everything into uncertainty. And so like, I think maybe the, the lesson to take away from the weekend is that sprints can be awesome, but there needs to be like some element of strategy or pit stops happening in it, because if it's dry, then it's just long enough to run the soft tires or the medium tires and you don't have to pit. And like the race is decided after lap five or six. Uh, the sprint race at least is decided after lap five or six. But throw in the the rain, throw in the drying track and you know the bets that I think George Russell was the first one to go from intermediates onto softs and then you had hulkenberg do it as well and i, I mean it created a i mean the first five tim laps were extremely exciting like you said hulkenberg fighting up there in second like making us all believe this is this is it this is when he gets his first uh, podium uh down to the last five laps with just the guys on soft tires on the dry line just ripping up there like five seven seconds faster per lap than max was it just made for a super entertaining race and i think that going forward, they're going to have to think about sprints and what do we do to create more variability and actually create a pit stop in there. And, uh, I think that that comes down to Pirelli and having to make s- different tires for sprints or something that just, uh, that require a pit stop. But yeah, it was, it was I love the format because Friday was exciting. We got a rainy qualifying Friday, made it feel like I was kicking my weekend off, getting to watch some of that. And then Saturday got to watch some fun racing action. It just, it felt like a full weekend of, of formula one. That uh, I really enjoyed. And and finally, I was seeing the light at the end of the tunnel on how a sprint format could work.
1: Uh, It certainly was fun in that sense. The actual race itself. um, Max Verstappen wins this thing. And it was only by five seconds. Uh, Of course, (laughs) (laughs) that was after one of the more interesting exchanges on the radio. You know, I think that. It's a very Red Bull thing to, to, to do to go. You know what? We're so freaking good. It doesn't even matter. Pit me now. Let's get that uh, that fastest lap, which Sergio Perez had. By the way, it wasn't going to matter for the team at all. Which just goes <laughs> to show you that Max Verstappen is an insane competitor. Which is probably the biggest reason why he's number one every week and why he's such a hard uh, out. You know, for these. For the rest of these teams to try to figure out. The car is exceptional. Adrian Newey has done an exceptional job of that car. We know that. But Max Verstappen's choice to pit, um, knowing that he had about a five second window, and things can go wrong uh on this thing. So he had like a twenty he had like a twenty-six second lead on Charlotte Leclerc before he went in on the final freaking lap to get softs and to, by the way, easily get that fastest lap of the race, and it just shows you, one, the insane competitor that he is. Uh, most teams, Ferrari included, I would say Mercedes included, no other team on the grid would say, let's go for it. Not a, not a freaking soul. But when they had that you know, uh, 2.8 or 2.9-second stop, and he got out there on the red tires and, and those softs tore it up, and he still ended up winning by 5.5 seconds on a day that everyone got – uh, the five second time penalty for, you know, the, the track limits that were being exceeded all the way all over the all over this uh, circuit. It was quite an impressive show of force by Red Bull, maybe the most middle finger, but you also can't do anything about it. Kind of Michael Jordan hitting a three in your face and freezing up behind the, the three point line.
2: Yeah, that's a the analogy of Michael Jordan. My head was going to it, but I was like, "Man, is that too extreme?" of of a, an analogy a to draw. That, like, that's what it is. It's goat. a killer dude. But
1: yeah,
2: he the killer instinct. The dude is a stone cold killer, and lo, like love him or hate him, like you have to respect that he is giving no quarter to anybody, and he's cut from the same cloth as Michael Schumacher. And you know, Erickson stretch Senna. out to other sports, yeah. Michael Jordan, Erich Senna. Like the dude is going to take every point possible. And he's not going to feel bad about it. And so, yeah, it's making for a, on the one hand, kind of a boring season because you know, like, gosh, you know, Max is going to win. But on the other hand, it's like, we've talked about this in prior episodes. At some point you step back and you're like, we are witnessing the most dominant season in F1 history and maybe sports history. And you kind of, at some point have to respect it. And I think the pressure will build more and more, the closer that he gets to the end of the season at like a potentially perfect season, um, or Red Bull, at least at a, at a potentially perfect season the pressure is going to build. And I think the probability for something like a, uh, you know, flat tire or, you know, uh, uh, engine, uh, malfunction or something is just going to go up and, uh, it's, it's going to be interesting to watch, but yeah, overall the race, I think it had a few elements that uh, were exciting. There was some close racing behind him. Um, I think watching Sergio come up through the pack, watch, watch the Charles, uh and um uh, not Checo, uh uh, carlos signs uh the two ferrari guys kind of uh carlos making the pitch to get around charles at the beginning come on uh, i have the pace come on what
1: are we doing i have the pace give me the i have the pace (laughs) what are we doing like i love that stuff because who knows i mean going here and, and here's something though too and this is why it's hard because ferrari knows out of the two drivers you still aren't going to say that Charles is not the most talented. I, I think you would still think that. But maybe there is some pace there. And, and you know what? I, I was listening to something this week. It was like, well, you know why they didn't relinquish or they didn't say the team orders weren't to move over? It's because he didn't outqualify him. It was like, qualify him. It's right. like, out-qualify him. And then you can't just get behind a guy and go, let me pass. You know, it's like, no, you got to earn that. You've gotta, it, It's got to be an exceptional amount of pace and, 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 like, really be, okay, we're dumb if we don't let him buy type of a deal. And, you know, in the end, uh, Charles proved him wrong proved proved his team right by go by finishing second still um the whole the whole weekend i think lando getting the driver of the day was amazing i something's going on with mclaren particularly with lando he's just putting his head down and racing and and credit to zach brown and his uh and uh and the mclaren team because they are they're just they're they're figuring some things out and sort of quietly which is what you the way you don't want to do things in f1 you want to be pretty like you know uh crazy loud Mm -hmm. and boisterous about it but um, I thought him, I thought Checo, an amazing day for him. It's, it's insane, too, because he goes from 15th to 3rd. Another crappy qualifying form, another handful of mistakes that he seems to be making, uh, you know, to just get his weekend sideways. And in this case, he was able to still salvage a podium. But my heavens, that guy can't get out of his own way. And uh, he's going to lose that freaking seat if he can't figure it out. And he had a great day. Lando was the driver of the day, as voted on by the fans. I thought that was, that was uh, well-earned. But you're seeing like e- even Logan Sargent had those the Williams cars looking okay right now, which is kind of crazy. Oh, yeah. And and he's had yeah. and, and he's actually like we people have been dogging him as a rookie, but I don't think in the last two the last two or three races they've been anywhere like below 13th or, or 15th kind of most of the weekend. And so he's he's right there. He's learning some stuff, and and so I'm I have high hopes for uh, the rest of the midfield. I was a little bit bummed that uh, that uh, that Fernando wasn't a little bit closer to the top there. Um, and overall, kind of Aston Martin didn't really uh, impress over the weekend. But Ferrari back in the mix a little bit. Um, my favorite quote on the weekend over the radio was from Toto. We know it is a bad car. We, we know it is a bad <laughs> car, Lewis. P- please drive it. Please. I'm like.
0: <laughs> oh,
2: yeah. The, the only sh- the, Shut up and drive message. I know. I love it.
1: Team boss gets on there and goes, stop complaining. But the the track limit stuff was annoying. Like, I'm thinking to myself, that's the kind of crap that F1 needs to shut down. They can't go, oh, look at that, seven millimeters over the white line. You are breaking the limits here. It's like, then put a gravel trap there, and they've already talked about that. Or just stop. These guys are on the edge as it is. Let them be on the edge. Yeah, like
2: yeah. Let, Oh, man. I've, if it slows I've, them I've down, then do it. Since, I hate it. it. Yeah. Yeah, since since the end of that race and all the penalties that came out, I had to dive into it to understand, like, what what about it was – Uh, that made it so bad this weekend. And one of the things I learned was that um, when Michael, uh, Michael Massey, the former uh, race, like uh, race director for F1, when they would go to Austria, he would not call like basically out of bounds unless both tires were over the rumble strips, like over the curb. Um, He wouldn't call it uh, out of bounds. If it was just, you know, the tires are over the white stripe and it goes, so it goes like race, Pavement, asphalt, white stripe, and then the the curbs. The curbs yeah. And so he was only calling it if they're going completely over the curbs. And so we just didn't used to have as many um, of those uh, infractions. But whoever's running it now has decided, no, one centimeter off the white line, you're out. And the thing about that turn, turn 10 uh, in Austria is it's like this downhill right-hander so like being downhill it's carrying your momentum off the the corner even more than than normal because it's like cambered away from from the car and there's a like a way that the drivers can drive it such that they straddle the curb but they actually don't hit the curb so it's kind of like as they approach it they already put their left tire over and then they have enough clearance to ride over the curb without actually rubbing And so in my mind, I'm like, okay, like one solution here is just make the curb bigger. Like no one's going to actually hit that curb to try and gain speed because it'll upset the car too much. So make the curb such or like extend it further up the corner so that they can't actually enter or exit the corner without disrupting the car so i feel like there's some physical things that can just be done to that particular corner that would have taken care of 90 percent of the issues but it was hilarious to see um Ocon get 30 seconds worth of penalties because he (laughs) went over the white line 10 times uh my thing is is like
1: do you have to penalize a guy who goes over the 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 sausage curb because that is a natural like you're going to go slower if you hit that thing most of the time i don't don't know if that's going to give you an advantage and if you go all the way off the track and then try to regain you know position there you obviously can't you gotta give it back or whatever so i just don't know i don't know i'm not i'm not as i'm not as into the rule i don't know the rule as well i don't i don't have as much you know of that background but from just a pure watching it standpoint. And when everybody started getting five-second penalties, it was coming up every two seconds. It almost looked like a malfunction of whatever their system was, you know? <laughs> you go, ah, oh, they keep putting up that everybody's got a five-second penalty. That's totally wrong. You can't have 17 uh, five-second penalties. Turns out you could, and it turns out that they did. And, <laughs> you know, what's crazy is, is I don't think Max got one, right? I know that he
0: no, – no. insi-
1: I guess you could just point to that as another, like, precision, masterful – Uh, because if somebody points at that and goes, No, that's him not really kind of driving that much on the edge. That's how good the car is. Not true. The guy is, uh, an insane, insanely precise driver. And if the car was, you know, he would, he would be right on the edge. If they allowed him to go over 10 millimeters, if there was, if they weren't calling it, he would do it. I guarantee it. So there you go. The Austria GP is in the books. And, uh, we're at a moment now where we get to, uh, on a Friday here, discuss a little bit of some of the FP1 and FP2 action. Can I just go over, if you please, Dan, as I'm looking at F1's uh, Twitter page. F1's Twitter page has the practice, the FP2 results. You ready for the uh, top eight? Yep. Number one, Max Verstappen, not a shock. Behind him by two hundredths of a second is Carlos Sainz. Alex Albon, third. Sergio Perez, fourth. Logan Sargent, fifth. And they're all within a half, all within a half second of each other. Lance Stroll sixth, Hulkenberg finds himself in every one of these spots. It seems like now in seventh, and then uh, Pierre Gasly in eighth, right there. There's your FP two results from today from Silverstone. Uh, are we looking at? I know, I know that FP the, the the free practices don't matter that much. It all is about tomorrow. It all is about qualifying. But I love seeing that blue W in third and fifth right now, just in uh, FP2. And to have the pace right there, not to be a second and a half or three seconds off of uh, the Red Bull, that's pretty nice.
2: Yeah, no, that Williams speed is real. I mean, they've been quick for the last couple of weeks. And like you said, like Logan had his best race of the season last week. I was super impressed. He, he did get a five-second penalty in the end that actually didn't end up dropping him a place. But he had a great, clean race where he was running even in the points for a brief uh, moment. And yeah, uh, today, those, that's the big news coming out of the UK is how fast those guys are. And I think by FP2, you're actually starting to see people's true speed, uh, especially today in FP1. Everyone brought a ton of new upgrades. And so you saw a lot of people just out there with like the big arrow rakes and all that stuff attached to their cars. So there was just a lot of data, yeah, data gathering and correlation happening. The F2 FP2 was like, okay, what do we got? And uh, yeah, Williams, uh, both of the cars in the top fives. It's so great to see. Let's I mean knock on wood, it continues cuz it would be great to see them become a a can very consistent midfield contender at least. Um and yeah, maybe our boy Logan Sargent has his best chance at a points finish this weekend.
1: I was looking at some of these teams too. Alpine has made some uh progress. Um, they feel like with even more upgrades that they're bringing to Silverstone, I heard uh, Otmar Snafar this uh, this week during an interview talking about how they do have more upgrades coming this week to Silverstone. I like the upgrades. I like not just throwing it out there like, "Oh, we've got some upgrades and uh, and then nothing happens, because we see that happen, too, where teams go, we're bringing this to this track, and it makes no difference. But we could see those make a difference. What makes Silverson such a big race, aside from the fact that you have so many teams that are based in the UK that are racing at the quote-unquote home track, you have obviously British drivers, you have kind of a, a place that people look at as one of these cathedrals of speed. You know, not, not totally insane to think that, uh, you know, Monaco obviously is what it is, and but I think that Silverson has as much of a history in the sport as kind of any other track that's right now on the grid.
2: Yeah, I think that the teams target this one um, as a, a place to bring a, a lot of upgrades because it's it'll give you a good read on how uh, well they those upgrades are going to perform the rest of the year because it's a a track that has it's a very long track it's a very long lap um, and it uh, has some you know segments that are uh slow and twisty and some segments that are straight and fast and high down for us and so you can get a read of just kind of across the entire spectrum of what do you need out of the performance of a car and it's a place that the teams have been going to very for a very long time so they have a ton of data the drivers are very familiar with it and like you said it's in the backyard like it's literally across the street from aston martin and uh so i think it's just a place that they all feel comfortable getting and gathering the data from so that's where you want to bring your upgrades to and uh yeah it's i think the um the obviously Williams has brought some upgrades. Uh McLaren uh brought some upgrades last week that only to Lando's car. So now that Oscar has it as well this weekend, it's gonna be interesting to see if he picks up the performance in the same way that Lando did last week. And then the big question mark for me is Mercedes. Like they stunk last week and they were not fast in practice today. So I think that there there might have been uh, a bit too much hype uh, coming out of Mercedes on what their upgrades were going to do for them because it's, it hasn't really panned out last week and, and so far this week.
1: So more of the same in terms of Red Bull dominance this weekend. Doesn't look like much of that's going to be uh, challenged. I've been surprised, too. You tell me, reliability-wise – Is it just me, or are there fewer DNFs and fewer DNFs at the top? You know, maybe some guys put it in the wall, but I haven't seen a lot of engines blow up this year.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, we had – Holkenberg had an engine issue last week, but that was the first one in recent memory. I mean, we went a lot of laps with no no safety cars, and we've gone even longer without any red flags. Uh, And so, yeah, it seems like reliability is up, Um, and I just – the kind of the fake statistician in me thinks that the law of averages is going to bear down. And like, we're going to see a string of DNFs, <laughs> but, uh, but maybe not. It's um it's interesting. It was one thing too, is like we broke the streak last week of uh, max leading every lap. I think he had gone 249 laps in the lead ever since I think the Miami GP, I think when he overtook Sergio in the Miami GP, he hadn't been in first for a single lap since then, which is just crazy to think about. Uh, But, you know, Charles took the lead for 10 laps or whatever it was with the pit sequence that they had. Um, And so, yeah, maybe that's the first crack in the armor that we're starting to see. And I think that Ferrari is going to be super quick this weekend. Um, You know, hopefully Aston Martin can can pick it up and uh, maybe we'll get surprised by uh, Williams as well.
1: Dan, uh, a a wrap up of both uh, the Austrian GP and then kind of a look ahead uh, in the qualifying tomorrow and then the race on Sunday at Silverstone. Another one of the books here. Uh, I don't know. What do you anticipate? Give us your dream podium for the weekend, and uh, and then we'll, we'll kind of go through there and in on that.
2: Uh, yeah, I, if it's uh, if it's not Max in the win uh, on the first uh, step of the podium, uh, I'm going to say Charles breaks through and wins, uh, and uh, I'm going to say that uh, Alex Albon surprises everybody with a with a third place there on the podium. And uh, Logan Sargent scores a point in 10th.
1: Look at that. Double points for Williams. That's what I was thinking, too. Double points for Williams. Max Verstappen doesn't win this race. That's my prediction this weekend. I don't know who would, but that's my prediction for this one. So, uh, For Dan Jimenez, Alex Curie, our podcast is Mode Push. We talk F1 every week. Of course, during the season, give you reviews and previews of all of the races. So for Dan, I'm Alex. We'll see you next week, everybody.